Where, where is Kevin? Is he back there? Okay, you, I'm going to be saying your name a lot, so you definitely need to be here for this sermon. I was a little worried about challenging Kevin with this, this kind of, it's a mix of a charge to Kevin and, and to the church as well. But then, Kevin, you did so wonderfully yesterday. You made, it was like you made it look very, very easy. I decided to up the ante just a little bit here, so... So be prepared, but as I, as I talk to Kevin and address and charge and challenge Kevin, I'm also addressing and challenging and charging the church as well, because the priorities that we see here for the minister of the gospel are the priorities of the church. So it's our job as a church to make sure that you're keeping us in check, right? Isn't that the whole idea behind it. And what is successful to God and success, what it looks like in His Word, must be successful to us, which is the title of today's message for you, Kevin, is the pastor's or the minister of the gospel's success. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. And before I forget, a word note, it says potluck is next Sunday. That's not true. It's actually this Sunday. So if you're hungry and you might be after uh, this, this service here, so please stay with us as we uh, celebrate the ordination and celebrate Kevin and we gather in the Family Life Center for some food. There's always food at events like this. So... So 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you're following along your Bibles, verses 12 through 16, I'm going to read through it and then we're going to break it down. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come... Give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident. To all, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. In the fall of 1996, a group of around 30 students began meeting in the small apartment of a young Christian couple being led by a man who felt called to the ministry and wanted to plant a church. Just a few months later, they outgrew their little apartment and had their first service with about 160 in attendance, growing pretty rapidly. However, after talking about their future vision 
there was some disagreement. They dropped back down to averaging around 60 people. But fast forward just over a year, they were averaging a weekly attendance of 350 people. 17 years later, the church was drawing an average weekly attendance of 12,329 to 15 different locations. In the fiscal year 2013 alone, this church baptized more than 1,000 people, planted 53 churches in India, supported 20 church planners and evangelists in Ethiopia. It released 50 new worship songs that year, gave away more than 3,000 Bibles in the United States and Ethiopia, and it took in nearly $25 million in tithes and offerings. In 2014, the man from the apartment who helped found this church was surrounded by controversy. And the rest, well, it's history. This wasn't some heretical megachurch. It was theological. It was a gospel-centered preaching church, and by all outward appearances, the pastor seemed to be pretty successful, didn't he? Lots of people, lots of baptisms, lots of ministries, lots of money, but in the end, it all came crashing down due to this man's moral failure. Kevin, I, I know you want to be successful. I know you do. You tell me that, and, and that's, a, that's a great goal. Our goal is to be successful in the calling that God has given us, to be faithful, to have ambition to fulfill the calling that God's placed on our lives. However, that success is not to look like the success of this world or not to look like the success of other churches. That success needs to be founded in Scripture, God's Word tells us what success looks like, and in order to be successful, God wants your attention. We're going to look at four commands that Paul gives here. Three are related to specific areas, and one command is to the attitude in which we pay attention. And I hope that I have the attention <laughs> of everyone here, especially the man in the back there, Kevin. So, look at the first command that he gives here. Paul begins this string of personal commands to Timothy. There's about 10 of them in this passage. He just finished up and he said, prescribe and teach these things in verse 11, talking about uh, telling the false teachers. So his primary goal was to correct the false teaching in Ephesus and to set things in order. Now he gives these personal commands to Timothy, and he tells him what success looks like and how that is achieved through perseverance, through faithfulness, and through paying attention. So the first command, pay attention to yourself, Kevin. Verses 12 and the first part of verse 16, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct and love, faith and purity, show yourself to be 
an example of those who believe. And then what I believe is the main thrust that Paul sums it up in 16, that entire verse, the first part of that, he says, pay close attention to yourself. How many people have ever heard of Patrick Mahomes? Oh, I know, groans, people, Mahomes brings groans, right? People don't always like that man. Well, it's interesting, the way that he rose up in, in, in football fame here. 2017, they drafted him from Texas Tech. 2018 and 19, his second season, he led the team to an AFC championship game, didn't he? 2020, what happened in 2020? Led them to a Super Bowl, first win, Super Bowl win in 50 years. This young man steps onto the field, takes them all the way to Super Bowl. His performance in the biggest game of the season earned him the title of the youngest Super Bowl MVP. But you know, he wasn't always popular. He's not popular now, I know that, but he wasn't always popular in the beginning. Some sports analysts, uh, some sports analysts actually said that it was one of the, the most riskiest picks that the Chiefs could have made. As a matter of fact, they gave the Chiefs a C- minus in the 2017 draft for selecting Mahomes. One writer proclaimed, calling Mahomes a project is a major understatement. He is absolutely nowhere near ready to play in the NFL. And honestly, he may never be ready to play in the NFL. They said that he is going to leave as many big plays on the field as he creates. Kevin, you're young. Everyone knows that. As a matter of fact, someone thought you were my son at one point in the parking lot, and I thought that, was, that made me feel old, but you are, you are definitely, definitely young. Your greatest argument, Kevin, for your calling and your giftedness is going to be your example. Your greatest argument is going to be your example. Notice what Paul, you need to show them like Mahone showed them, show them on the field, Kevin. People may question your youthfulness. And I'll tell you what, one of the hardest things, and you already know it, being with us for almost two years now, being in the ministry for longer than that, one of the hardest things a pastor will do is to lead their friends, and especially if they're older than you. When I was in the Navy, one of the hardest things to do was to listen to men who were younger than me telling me what to do, and they, they were younger by a lot of years. We had to do it. And you already know how difficult that is. You are not to argue against them. You are not to fight for power. You are not to enter into confrontation, declaring how God called you into the ministry. You are to lead them by example. That is going to be your best and your greatest argument. Paul is giving Timothy confidence here. Timothy is very, very timid as any pastor should be entering into the ministry. And he's telling Timothy, but who else is he telling? Where is this letter going to be read? In the church. So Galilee, don't look down on Kevin's youthfulness. He may be young, but he's called. And if he's called, 
we're going to see he's equipped, isn't he? And our job here is to support him in that calling. Our job here is to protect him. Our job here is to submit to him, to obey him, to encourage him and not look down on his youthfulness, but encourage him in the calling that he has. I absolutely love this. Uh, One of the first things that Paul gets into, so if you wanted to break this sermon up or break this passage up, in verse 16, he gives these two important aspects of the minister, life and doctrine. Those are the two most important aspects of the ministry. Those are the two more, most important the things that the minister needs to pay attention to. And he begins with character. Because if you don't have character, we shouldn't be preaching. If you don't have character, you shouldn't be leading. It is an absolute primary important aspect of a calling to the ministry is your character. Athanasius once said, you cannot put in straight in others what is warped in yourself. It doesn't mean, Kevin, that you are going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, you're not going to be perfect. But when you make those mistakes, you are going to have the humility to own up to those mistakes. You are going to be teachable and you are going to Focus on the things that Paul brings to Timothy's attention here. Notice he covers the whole, the whole spectrum. Pay attention to your speech. Be an example of how you talk. And we're in a talking calling, aren't we? And I know sometimes we share it. We come, we get home after a long day of talking and I feel like I ate foot all day long. And you're going to say stupid things. <laughs> and you're going to regret saying those things. But he's telling you to be mindful of your speech. Be mindful of what you say and be mindful of how you say it. And one of the best ways that we can be mindful of our speech One of the best ways that we could be good speakers is we need to be really, really good listeners. You need to hear and understand the different cries or the different baas of your sheep. You need to seek God for the wisdom to say things in a way that will be received well. You need to speak the truth but you need to speak it with grace and with love. And that's hard. The man that we mentioned in our opening illustration, he was actually known for his crude and vulgar language from the pulpit. That man should not be in the ministry. Because the speech that we have And what we say is a reflection of God Almighty Himself. And there's the verse that we will give account for every word. I don't like that verse, but that verse is there and and it is all the more sobering when we are in a position like this. He says, look after your conduct, be an example of how you carry yourself. 
and you already have been, Kevin. Continue to be the person that you are and are becoming in Jesus Christ. Show them by by living a life that is dedicated to family. Show them by living a life that is dedicated to sacrificing yourself for individuals. Show them by your behavior. Lead them by your conduct. And then he goes into love. Love is to be the motivation behind everything that you do. And there are going to be days when you don't feel like loving the congregation that God gave you. Those are the days that you need love all the more. And that type of love that he calls us for, that or to, is a love that doesn't come from ourselves. It's a love that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that you can have the love that he calls you to. Love those you shepherd. Love them like Christ has loved you. Love them with grace. Love them with understanding. Love them sacrificially. And church, make it easy for Kevin to love you. <laughs> don't, don't make it difficult. Don't try to test him in that. That's not one thing. You'll be like, I'm going to test Kevin in his love this week. Let's see how much grace he has. Unless, of course, you tell him afterwards. It might be funny for a period of time. F.B. Meyer says this, wherever there is true love, there must be giving and giving to the point of sacrifice. Love is not satisfied with giving trinkets. It must give at the cost of sacrifice. It must give blood. It must give life. It must give all. That is the call to love. How you hold your faith, Kevin. One of the things that stood out yesterday, and I, I, I wish you could have heard it. I think it was Irv that brought it up about how we got to watch you hold on to your faith at one of the most difficult times in your life. That's, that's the example that Kevin gave to us as he went through cancer. I know you struggled, but man, you held on to that faith. You trusted in God. When, when everything else seemed hopeless, you kept hope in Him, and here you are today. Testimony to that. That's the faith. You're to be an example and continue to be. And we thank you for that example already. And, and we, we, we ask that you continue to be that example to us. Because I know it was an example to me. I don't know if I could have held it together. But you did. That's being successful, Kevin. Faith and Purity. We could just skip over that one because that's not an issue in the church today, is it? One of, the, one of the biggest ways that Satan gets ministers out of the pulpit and out of the ministry is this right here. Be on guard. And I know you already are. Satan uses sexual immorality. Satan uses impurity in the private life of 
ministers of the gospel to ruin those that could be used of God all the time. And church, pray for Kevin in all of these areas. Pray for him. Commit to praying for him, for God to protect him and watch over him in the ministry. Kevin, be an example. Watch, pay attention to your life. Be an example of Jesus Christ, because all of these qualities reflect those of our Savior. The second command, Kevin, pay attention to the Word. Verses 13, the second half of 16. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And then the second part of 16, and pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. I never thought that I would use Hank Williams in a sermon illustration, (laughs) but here he is. (laughs) Hank Williams has a song. Does anyone know the song that I'm going to reference? He's got a song. It's called Dust on the Bible. Here's how part of it goes. I went into a home one day just to see some friends of mine. Of all their books and magazines, not a Bible could I find. I asked them for the Bible when they brought, when they brought it. What a shame, for the dust was covered over it. Not a fingerprint was plain. Dust on the Bible, dust on the Holy Word, the words of all the prophets and sayings of our Lord. Of all the other books you'll find, there's none salvation holds. Get the dust off your Bible and redeem your poor soul. Man, Hank can, Hank can write a verse, can he? <laughs> there, Kevin, when, when you turn in your Bible at the end of your ministry, it should be absolutely spotless. There should be no dust covering your Bible, because if there's dust on your Bible, Kevin, there's going to be dirt in the church. And I tell you what, I think there's a lot of dust on the Bibles of pastors and churches in America today. Your grandfather, I told you, I don't know if I told you, sir, yesterday I was going to use your, use your illustration, but here it is. Your grandfather gave a great illustration when we talked about the inerrancy of Scripture, and, and, or a great statistic. And what did he say? He said 40% of pastors in the pulpit don't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. What, what are they then? What, what's happening in the church? We're, we're replacing the Bible with, with little sermonettes and little, I don't know, devotionals to Lord of the Rings, Bilbo Baggins devotionals or whatever you want, but we're not preaching the Word of God. Kevin, you got to give us the Word. Pay attention to the Word. Rebuke us with the Word. Challenge us with the Word. Comfort us with the Word. Encourage us with the Word. Give us the Word. May your life and your ministry be absolutely saturated by the Word of God. In everything you do, may it be founded and shaped by this. The 
This is the second major aspect of ministry. Life and doctrine. All of ministry is to be founded on the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, glorifying God Almighty and proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Until I come, give attention to. Don't neglect God's Word. He says public reading, and it's not, it's, it's, it's not, that word is not in there, but that's what he means by that. The reading of Scripture publicly, and if, you, if you've noticed, if you've been paying attention on Sundays, it is this verse and talking to other people that I've now, be, I've now started to read the entire passage before I break it down, and, and this is why. And, and when we do that, when you give attention to Scripture like that, we are speaking to the power behind it. Because I could just read this passage to you and then walk off, and you're going to know exactly what Paul is saying. You're going to know what God is saying for your lives, aren't you? We, we stand up here, we just expound it, and sometimes we don't do a good job of it. The power is in the Word through the Holy Spirit, God changing lives through His Word as we proclaim that Word and as we proclaim it publicly. It doesn't end when you do your outreach ministry, does it? No, you allow that Word to shape how you do that ministry and you bring that Word to the people who don't know it and the people who need it. Because it's that word, it is this word that is going to change their lives. And success is giving attention to the word. Giving attention to the word and allowing the word to shape your exhortation and to shape your teaching. It is a ministry that is saturated in the word. I couldn't believe it when I was listening to a sermon at one point. I kept listening. I'm going, 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 going. It's like 15 and 20 minutes into the sermon, and then the guy mentioned Scripture. What is happening? Kevin, you are never to be part of that 40% that your grandfather is talking about. The Word of God is profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, and training so that what? So that you can be adequately equipped for what God has called you to do. And when you are teaching and when you are exhorting, and you need to exhort us, might need to correct us, might need to correct me. When you do that, make sure you're doing this first. Give attention to the Word in your private life and give attention to the Word in your public life. There should be absolutely no dust on the Bible. And, Kev, and church, as Kevin continues to focus on the Word, you need to be willing to receive that Word from him. You need to hear that Word, receive it, and obey it. Help Kevin in this aspect of his ministry 
And we all need to make sure that the Word is never, ever, ever neglected. Third command, Kevin, pay attention to your gift. Verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Anyone ever see the uh, Tournament of Roses parade? Anyone see it? It's pretty amazing. Some of the floats, if you see them, you'll be floraled. I mean, floored. Sorry. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. You gave me a thumbs down. Thank you. There was a Tournament of Roses parade, I think it was in the 1940s. And I think, uh, actually, th- this, this same float, that this happened to actually won uh, the best float, I think, in the 1930s. And if you look up some of these floats, they're, they're absolutely gorgeous. Uh, they're, they're very, very well done. So th- it's important for a parade. We were in a parade the other week. Um, and it's important for the parade to keep moving. For some people, our parade was moving way too fast. People were running behind, trying to catch up, winded. Um, but it's important for a parade to keep moving. So there was this one float. It's going through the parade, and all of a sudden, it comes to a complete stop. The whole parade was held up until someone could run and go get a can of gas. It ran out of gas. Now, you would think, right, one of the key essentials of a a parade float is what? It needs to keep moving, right? The whole point is you're waving, people are going by, and okay, Pastor Mark, that happens That detail was overlooked. What was really, really interesting about this float is, do you know who the float represented? Well, you guessed it, the Standard Oil Company. (laughs) With all of its vast resources, it didn't keep up its maintenance, and their float ran out of gas. And now it is a sermon illustration for you here today, what, what is Paul saying to Timothy and what is God saying to you today? Kevin, use it or lose it, brother. Later on, he's going to say it even more directly. Fan into flame the gift that God has giving, given you. He's doing two things here. He's given Timothy confidence, but he's reminding him of his responsibility to cultivate the gift and the calling that he has, God has placed on his life. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Don't let it just sit there. Use it and use it with all of your might. This is the, a beautiful, beautiful picture of the cooperation between the divine power of the Holy Spirit God Almighty, and the minister. He's reassuring him because sometimes we wonder, we'll doubt. Sometimes we'll go home and we'll say, I am not equipped for this job. Matter of fact, Paul says at one point, looking at the gravity of ministry, Who's adequate of these things? Nobody is. We're not. 
He's our adequacy. You're going to go home one day and you're going to maybe ask Jenny, do you think I should keep being a pastor? I don't know if I got what it takes. God's given it to you. He's gifted you. He's called you. However, you need to cultivate that gift. You need to use it. You have the right stuff, but you need to build and pour into the gift that He's given you. And as you do that, you are going to do exactly what Paul says, you are going to grow in it. You're going to learn about it. Paul is asking Timothy to remember something. What is he asking Timothy to remember? Or what is he telling Timothy to remember? You know what he's telling Timothy to remember? Today. He's telling Timothy to remember his ordination. Because this is exactly what is going to take place in just a few moments here at this church. We are going to lay hands on Kevin. It is the church that ordains the minister We are going to lay hands on Kevin. We are going to affirm and confirm and also commission him to this position. He's saying, remember this day. Remember that God has called you. Remember God has equipped you. But remember the responsibility that you have. Remember the charge that your father is going to give. Remember the prayer that your grandfather is going to give. Remember this day when when you're feeling down, when you're feeling depressed, when you don't want to go on anymore, Kevin. Remember this day. God has equipped you. God has called you. And God will make sure that you succeed as long as you rely on him. Now set that gift ablaze, Kevin kind of like remember the Alamo, right? It stirs up that all those things that took place today. It was good for me to remember this day because we can get lost in all the details. We can try to make things perfect all the time. We can look and see at our failures that we have. Remember today, God has called you and equipped you. And as you fan this gift into flame, and as you move forward in your calling, do so very, very zealously. Do so with diligence, which brings us to our fourth and final command, the how. How are you to do all this? How are you to pay attention? Pay attention diligently, or pay attention zealously, Listen to verse 15. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. This is what some actors did to prepare for their roles. For his role in my left foot, Daniel Day-Lewis interacted with disabled patients at Sandmont School Clinic in Dublin, Ireland. Between takes during filming, he remained in his wheelchair and was spoon-fed and carried around by the crew. 
For his role in Revenant, Leonardo DiCaprio plunged in, in and out of icy rivers, he ate raw buffalo meat, and he slept in a simulated horse carcass. For his role in the film Fury, Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf trained with the U.S. National Guard and was a chaplain's assistant in the 41st Infantry. During the filming, he did not bathe for four months. To, be better, to better imitate Ray Charles, Jamie Foxx wore prosthetic eyelids, leaving him blind for most of the day. Occasionally, they would leave him alone on the set, forgetting he was blind. He also learned all the piano parts and lost 30 pounds in one week for the role. These are individuals that actually illustrate very well, I think, what Paul means by be immersed in your, in your calling. Give it your all. And what are they doing it for? A movie. A movie. Take pains with paying attention. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. The word absorbed isn't in there. It just says be in them. Be in them. It's actually often looked down upon in our culture to be immersed in your work, and rightfully so, because there is a negative way of doing that, isn't there? But I'll tell you something, the way that you answered the question yesterday about your family, and if you are taking care of the first part, your life and character, you are going to do this well. He wants you to be absorbed. He wants you to give your all to your life, to your doctrine, to your ministry, and to your calling. Not at the expense of your family, but as you care and love for your family. These individuals did it for a movie. Kevin, you're doing it for God. Throw yourself into this work. Live it, breathe it, let it fill you up, have a passion for it, have a drive for it, give yourself wholly to it, take risks, take chances, go nuts, make the elders worry. Go absolutely, make me tell you, hey, slow down, brother. That's the way that you are going to grow. That's the way that you are going to make progress, is putting your life in these things that Paul is talking about here. Live it, breathe it, and you'll change. And, you'll see, and we see here that this is a huge major aspect of success. Success is not perfection, Kevin. Success is progress. Success is growth like we have witnessed in you over all these years. Like those at the council were telling us how they watched Kevin grow up from just a young lad shooting BBs or pellets at someone's house to now here to leading the very person whose house you were at. That's progress. That's success. I remember a time in my air crew training 
uh, when, and I wasn't a Christian at, at this time, so my goals in life were all about me. There was a race, uh, a cross-country run that I needed to run, and, and my friend, who I was in constant competition with, already completed it, already got the award, and I wanted that award too. And I was hungover from the night before. I was sick. But I woke up, I went to that race, and I ran my absolute hardest. I ran so hard that I passed out practically and threw up at the end of the race. What did I do it for? Something stupid. For a dumb award for myself. I looked at this verse and I looked at the way that I I did that and I had to ask myself, am I running that hard now? Because what you and I are running for, Kevin, is an eternal reward. And I hope that we will run in such a fashion that we run until we run out of gas. It's going to be hard It's going to be long. It's going to get tiring. It's going to require sacrifice. Keep on running. Keep on running. Because we run for something that will not perish. Give attention to these things, Kevin. Because as we see in verse 16, the successful pastor pays close attention. Notice to how Paul kind of sums it all up here. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching, to your life and to your doctrine. Persevere in these things. For as you do, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and for those who hear you. As you do these things, as you pay attention, as you are faithful in these things, you ensure salvation for those who hear you and for yourself. He's not talking about justification, is he? He's talking about sanctification. What's he talking about? Progress. Growth. Growth is success. Faithfulness is success. Paying attention is perseverance. Paying attention is faithfulness. And paying attention is success. Kevin, you may not have the largest ministry. You may not have the greatest programs. You might not even reach 10 people in Gorham. That does not mean you have failed. As long as you persevere in these things... As long as you pay attention to your life, your character, your teaching, your doctrine, the Word of God, because paying attention pays eternal dividends. May God bless you and grow you in this ministry, Pastor Kevin. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your Word, and we thank you for the challenge of it. Lord, I ask that we all pay attention to what you have for our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.